So here we are once again uh, at Poetry Lunch. This is our third episode. Thank you very much for listening in. Uh, Mr. Chaput and I um, really enjoy doing this and bringing you our poetry. We really thank you very much for tuning in and listening to our feeble efforts at writing poetry uh, that matters to us and hopefully matters to you. Um, so we have two uh, older poems we wrote years ago, but like any uh, poem, it's never over, it's never finished, it simply is always begging for revision. So we have some two older poems we've revised. And so we're going to start with Mr. Chaput's poem about the horse concerto. Yes, and uh, last week during Poetry Lunch, we actually met and did a Poetry Lunch, and uh, one of the things I'm currently working on, and I asked you for advice about this, is how do you write about people? Because I can't do it. It's like the hardest thing for me. So um, that's something I'm working on moving forward. But uh, this poem is, again, like most of my stuff, from the farm, and it's actually about the first horse that I ever met, and uh, he recently died after a long 30-year life. So uh, it's called Concerto. Concerto stood by the round bale feeder, withered and wet, spring mud clinging to his hocks, ribs protruding hard and knobby like the exposed roots of a stricken tree. I think it's cancer, Aunt Mary said. He's lost 300 pounds this week. I nodded and stepped up, reached out a pale hand and scratched the center of his neck through the fence for the thousandth time. He rolled back his muddied eyes, tilted and lifted back his head. I stepped closer to him, smelled his neck and mane, and he rested his jaw on the crown of my head. He gently moved his muzzle to my shoulder, and I ran my hands over his nostrils and lips, still soft and velvet as the day he was born, and rubbed the white star between his eyes. Happy Easter, old man, I whispered. I took his chin in my hands and kissed him below the forelock, pulled out my phone, and captured a final portrait of the proud warm blood, and watched him in the mirror, as I drove away. He returned to the feeder, buried his nose in the hay, all headed out, pale green and perfect, his jaw still strong, his methodical chewing, a reassuring reminder that horses live and love, unburdened and ever-present. I really like that a lot. You, you really create a wonderful, loving relationship between you and this old horse concerto, but kind of framing it on the final days of his life. Um, and I think you shared earlier that the first time you wrote Concerto was when you were a wee boy. I was a little kid, yeah. And that might be really good to actually include that episode yeah. in there as part of your remembrance of him. You know, it's interesting. I have another poem that's really bad about that first ride. It was one of the first poems I ever tried to write, so maybe I'll go back to that and see if go I back can to that weld and these two together. See if you can insert it. it, yeah. I really like the whole narrative, and your imagery is really physical and present just the way uh, Concerto was at the feeder. I like uh, the alliteration and withered and wet, uh, ribs protruding hard and knobby, and that simile like the exposed roots of a stricken tree. Wonderful kind of connection there between horse and tree. And then Aunt Mary's voice, and then you're just stepping up and just kind of zooming in on an yeah. intimate moment where you're um, stroking his neck and he puts his head down close to yours, and then the smell. Also some really nice sensory details as well. Um, and I really also like that soft and velvety as the day he was born, sort of bringing it full course, the whole life he had. And then the fact that it happened on Easter. I know, it's crazy. Uncanny. <laughs> Merry Easter. Totally unintentional. It just sort of worked out that way that the last time I saw him was mm -hmm. 
on Easter Sunday, and I think he died the next day. So has a wonderful spiritual dimension, but yeah. of course, that's I was feeling that all along that your connection, your relationship with Concerto, yeah. has a kind of spiritual dimension mm -hmm. between man and animal. Very which much so. I really like a lot, um, and that image of seeing Concerto as you drive away. Uh, but of course, being the horse, he's hungry because uh, animals deal in the present. Goes back to the just feeder. Another day. Absolutely. His jaw still strong, methodical chewing, and then that reminder. I really like these last. I thought these last lines might be a little preachy, but I think they're just right. That horses live and love unburdened and ever present. And we all know I can get barfy at the end. That of is poem, quite so, true. Yes. So I agree. I, I think it's okay in uh, in this in this sense. And that's something I've always admired about horses is that they they are always present. And uh, we can learn that from them. Exactly. It's a good reminder for us. Unburdened, never present. And yet, Conchero is also burdened by the cancer. Yes. And may even be sensing the kind of imminence. Oh, almost, almost certainly. Yeah. He, he, his eyes were still clear, but you yeah. could tell he was in pain. Mm -hmm. oh. But really good work. I, I like it a lot. I think it's the best things that you've written. Thank you. What do you have today? All right. Well, this is something I'm returning to. I wrote it this summer. Uh, just a little introduction. The title is El Paso. Yes. And on August 3rd, 2019, a mass shooting occurred at a Walmart store in El Paso, Texas. Uh, a gunman shot and killed 22 people, I believe all Hispanic, and injured 24 others. Yes. It was clearly an incident of, um, it, was, it was a hate crime. Yes. Clearly, for sure. <clears throat> Routine shoot em up mayhem on the evening news. A man sprints across the Walmart lot towards screams. Who knows CPR? CPR! Three bodies. Black pools widening among shopping carts. More inside scattered like broken dolls. In nightmare, I see their bodies rising up in El Paso and on the fairground in Gilroy and outside the nightclub in Jacksonville, in the halls of Stoneman Douglas and from the small graves in Sandy Point. Voices of the hollowed out left behind. We did not deserve this, to be taken away. Not our children, not our brothers, our sisters, our mothers, our fathers, our lovers. Not one more. No more. No. I stared down at my hands, hands for prayer, for pulling the trigger, for stanching a wound, for surrender, for raising a fist, for what's next. Yeah, this is one of my favorites of yours, too. Um, there are so many lines in here that are very effective. I think the one that jumps out at me, and I remember the first time you read this to me in the dining hall, um, I think I was actually speechless for a second, um, is the small graves mm. in, in Sandy Point. Mm -hmm. That's the one that, like such a small little kind of description, but it's so powerful. And I also like the phrase, voices of the hollowed out. Um, and there's a, there's, there's a lot of pain and emptiness in that phrase, which I think is, is uh, not only realistic, but also very powerful. Um, this is what you're so good at, and this is what I have so much to learn from you in, is, is how do you write about, you know, our times and human beings and the things that we do to each other. And uh, you write so well about it. I love your use of hands at the end uh, for prayer, for trigger, for staunching a wound, for what's next. And I think it's a good reminder that 
we can, not only are we responsible for these acts and our society, like we're all playing a role in them, but we also have a role in the solution. Um, and we need to we need to have a solution. Yeah, and yeah. I think that that's what is so powerful about this poem, and why I like it too much. You can you guys also can't see this if you're listening, but the way it's written um, starts it, it's like a tornado almost, and it comes down to this one line. It starts very wide at the top of the page and comes down to this one line uh, for the future, for what's next. So it visually is very uh, effective as well. So, you know, great it, poem, John. Really it, good. Uh, I revised it this weekend, and when I went back to the draft, I actually started with the stanza about me in the garden weeding, um, and then taking a break from the weeding and going inside, turning on the TV and seeing this, which is why I initially had um, a line at the bottom. I stared at my hands, hands for weeding, and I took that out because I felt like it just kind of um, was too slow a start. I wanted to jump right in. Which is why I went right to the evening news, and that phrase, uh, "routine shoot 'em up mayhem," uh, struck me as like, "Here we go again." Oh. And how I think we're all—I'll speak for myself—desensitized by another shooting and another shooting and another shooting, and yeah. what's to be done? And there's that sense of outrage and powerlessness, and uh, so I wanted to try and capture that in the poem. Yeah. Yeah. Routine is a devastating word. Yeah. In the sense that you're and, using and, it. And I think that's what they've become for sure. Um, and that image, by the way, of the man sprinting, that was actually featured, on, you might recall that, yeah. on someone's phone. Right. Um, and they were actually capturing it. And I just simply lifted that right out. Yeah. And I was just so struck by that. I mean, yeah. outside of Walmart with the shopping carts, a place that we've all shopped many, many times, and it becomes a battlefield. Um, wow. Yeah. Really good poem. Really good. Well, good thanks. imagery. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, I, I'm embarrassed to say that the small graves, it's not Sandy Point, it's Sandy, Sandy Hook. Hook. That's right. That's yes, right. and I don't know why I wrote Sandy, but it is Sandy Hook to stand corrected there. Um, so this concludes uh, episode three, and uh, we are really trying to line up a student that we can bring in here in a mutually free block, which is not always easy at Tabor, but we're going to continue to try, try, try. And I think one of these episodes... Uh, we might actually do, do, do a recording in the dining room itself in a quiet corner. So we actually be in the location of our poetry lunch. Well, thank you again so much for listening and keep following us. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. All right, take care. Have a good day.